This is the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Welcome to the Last Week Liquid Podcast, a show dedicated to the world of drum and bass. My name is Simon and I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I'm sitting down with Harry, also known as Henry. Harry has been a major influence on me in terms of the type of music I wanted to produce, so it was a great pleasure to have this chance to speak with him. In this episode, we discuss how Harry goes about writing his tunes, where he finds inspiration, the importance of having a consistent sound across releases, how he balances being a parent with music, and many more. Now a quick note before we jump in, I wanted to take a second to thank all of you who have been listening to this podcast so far. I've been receiving some great feedback, which tells me that there's an interest for this type of content in the drum and bass world. So if you enjoy what you're hearing, feel free to share it around with other people. Follow the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a review, as that helps other people find the show. But now, onto the episode. So as always, thanks a lot for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Last Week Liquid podcast. Today, I have the immense pleasure of sitting down with Harry, also known as Henry. Harry is one of the scene's most prolific producers, with nine releases under his belt in 2020 alone on labels such as Celsius, Default Recordings, Basics, Glitch Audio, and DNBB. His latest release, a collaborative effort alongside Mystific, entitled Woman's Strength, came out on the 7th of September on Celsius. Finally, I must mention that Harry has probably been my biggest influence in terms of the kind of drum and bass I started listening to and wanted to produce myself. So it's a great honor to have him on today. Harry, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks very much, man. I'm doing all right. What an intro. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my pleasure, man. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. So as I mentioned, uh, I still remember when I listened to your track, um, uh, it was Fleeting Moments. Uh, which came out on a, it was a glitch audio compilation and came out on the Liquid DNB uh, uh, for the win uh, YouTube channel. Um, and I remember specifically hearing that track and I was like, okay, this is, I want to do this kind of music. This is what I want to produce. <laughs> and that actually set me yeah, on no, the path. That's of, amazing, man. Yeah. That set me on the path of uh, like producing Liquid myself and getting more into like labels and, and producers and all of that. So um, yeah, great pleasure to have you on i uh, hope i'm not putting too much pressure on you no not at all man it's great to great to be talking to you i've been re really enjoying the uh the, the past episodes so and i'm really glad you like that track because that was um that was kind of the first uh in a new sort of sound for me i was sort of moving away from um sort of lighter piano kind of tracks and i was trying to make something a bit deeper and darker and heavier and that was kind of like the first one that i sort of made in that that sort of respect anyway cool how did you get um because i believe it was the first glitch audio release i believe yeah um, it was, yeah, it was a compilation so, yeah how how did you get in touch with with those guys how did that uh, collaboration happen well um they've always been really supportive elliot george um whenever i've had music that i've been releasing or whatever i've always got in touch with him to see if he can help me promote it and ever since the beginning he's been really supportive and always been a been there to upload stuff that i've done and yeah shouts out to him yeah and then he got me involved um where he said they were putting a compilation together and, and he just sent me a message and said if i want to get involved send over some tunes 
and I mm. did. Pretty cool. So, so you just mentioned there that it was the the first track where you were going for a more deeper, uh, less melodic, if we can say it like that, uh, sound. Yeah. Um, what was that motivated by? Was it a like a conscious de decision of other artists that you wanted to imitate, or was it just yourself, like a challenge of not using piano? How did that come about? Uh, I've always it was always a sound that I'd loved in other tunes, kind of like you know, like technomatic and deep deeper sort of sides of their their tracks and it's just always been something that I wanted to try and do and that was kind of like I got to a point where every tune I was making was a piano liquid roller I wanted to try something different and just mm. push myself to a different sound and that's how it mm. came about really okay yeah well I have to say it's a I thought it was like a huge achievement <laughs> especially in terms of the the bass sound and that's something I, I really want to dig into Uh, later on is like your bass sound and how the bass sticks with the drums because I think it's a very specific sound that you've achieved in, in your production and that's very consistent across your releases so I'd be yeah. really really curious to to dig into that topic later on um, but maybe b before all of that and taking a step back um, how have these last few months been been for you I know you're a you're a family man you're you have another job working full-time how has these yeah. these these past few months been for you? It's been uh it's been a bit different, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh two small kids at home as well. Uh got a six and a four year old. So lockdown was uh quite interesting. Um yeah. It, it was it was nice in a way to have all that extra time with the kids. But at the same time there was nothing to do. <laughs> you, yeah. You had all this time <laughs> with your family and it's like, what can we do? Well, we can go to the woods for our weekly, our daily kind of exercise yeah and that was it you, it's just oh yeah kind of bittersweet really but yeah yeah it's it's been it's been tough but yeah we've got through it it's okay and um just glad that sort of we're back into some sort of routine now mm. sort of relatively normal kids back in school and i'm working again but don't know what's around the corner anyway with lockdown yeah, or whatever sure. if, if there's if there's going to be more restrictions or whatever i don't yeah. know no, no one knows what's going on in the uk basically yeah and it's um Because I'm not from the UK, but I've heard that like certain areas have their own like policies in terms of lockdown or reopening. I was talking yeah. with um, the episode isn't out as, as of now, but will be when this episode comes out. I was talking with uh, Linear and he's from, uh, I'm going to get he's this wrong. Leeds, I think it was Leeds, yeah, exactly, Leeds. Yeah. Um, and he was saying they're going back into an, a new lockdown. So that doesn't seem to be the case for you guys right now. Not right now, no. So we seem to be relatively lucky around here. I'm in High Wycombe, which is sort of 30 miles out of London. Um, okay. And it, I don't think it's, I think we're one of the less sort of affected areas of the country. Mm. Okay. And um, and so how has it been in terms of like your music production? Because a lot of people have been either on the side of, oh yeah, it gives me a lot more time to produce and have been very prolific in terms of production. Others, it's been a lot harder either in terms of mental health or just finding the time between like family, et cetera, to produce music. How has these past few months been for you in that regard? Uh, I didn't really do a lot for the whole of lockdown at all. I, yeah, I just didn't have the, the energy <laughs> mentally mm. to go into, to start creating music and, uh, yeah, with no work and there was nothing to draw your inspiration from, I guess, because everything was just kind of the same every day yeah uh, yeah it was just it wasn't very good for for me creatively 
So okay. it's, it's, but recently I've been able to sort of jump back in and start working on some new bits, but yeah, it's been a bit, it's been a bit of a challenge actually after the, after break, I found I had a bit of writer's block when I tried to get back into it. So okay. just a few weeks of um, getting in the studio and just writing absolutely crap sketches that I hated. <laughs> Literally, yeah. There's been one or two bits that have been sort of okay and I've managed to work into sort of finished tracks, but everything mm. else has just been completely, complete shit, to be honest. Uh, would you put that down to a lack of la lack of habit and being in the zone of producing and having to relearn some skills or is it more just the whole situation and a lack of inspiration in general? I think just a lack of inspiration in general. And I, I really miss, um, going out to, to shows and things like every few months so I, I'd go out to rave or whatever, just, and that really just brings more inspiration, like being in the, in the dance and, uh, just hearing the music on how it should be played on the sound system. is just mm. not being able to do that consistently is just uh it's just pretty pretty horrible yeah yeah so so i'm guessing from what you're saying most of your 2020 releases were actually written pre-lockdown then yeah pretty much everything was yeah okay yeah so so that one that that latest ep that, that i mentioned with a with mystific Uh, on on Celsius, first of all, congratulations on Thanks that release. I thought it was really a beautiful piece of uh, of liquid. Kind of coming back to what you were saying earlier, this this is kind of taking more, going back to that melodic yeah, piano it's, it's, driven. It's more of a nod. It's more of a nod to the to the earlier stuff. But I think part a lot of that is down to Mystific as well. That's that's kind of like his sound is very kind of melodic and beautiful, kind of lush mm. sounds. So. Yeah, that that that's more him, really. To be honest, I, okay. I, did, I was kind of, I was more of the the bass guy and that and the drums and and little other bits. So, yeah. Okay. Shouts out to him, man, because he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so so how did that collaboration come about? Were you guys in contact quite a lot beforehand? How did yeah. the, that situation come about? Um, well, he approached me um, when I was sort of first um, releasing music uh, as free downloads. Um, He, he sent me a message and said, we'd love to release some of this stuff. Um, so they put um, a track I did called Looking Back on uh, yeah. one of their compilation releases on DNBB. And then and then ever since then, he's just been really supportive and I've released music through through the label and just been in touch with him over the years and then just decided, why don't we do some, do some tracks together, see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that, we ended up with this. All right. And so, so you said you contributed mostly like drums and bass, um, yeah. and it's something I'm I'm quite interested because I feel there's there's a lot of collaborations in in drum and bass and somewhat more than maybe other electronic genres. Um, so I'm always curious as to how those collaborations come about and how you split the work. How does that process look like? Um, so in terms of collaborating with Mystific, how was that collaboration? Um, how did you decide who contributed to what? And was it similar or different to other collaborations you might have done in the past? Uh, it was pretty much the same as, as the others. I, I approached him to, to collab on things and um, uh, he, was, he was up for it. So he said, yeah, I'll just send you some sketches. So he sent me four or five like really nice tracks, just like ideas for, for tracks. And, and then they were sort of halfway 
probably halfway done in a way but and then I just took those initial sketches and turned them into the into the sort of finished tracks really mm-hmm. and that's yeah I think that's the best way to go just send send ideas of tracks rather than sort of fully formed things yeah. you know like like a 32 bar loop or something I think that that's quite a nice way because then you you feel like you've got more freedom to add different bits in or whatever but yeah so do you usually because here it seems like he sent you rough sketches or halfway done and you finished them is that usually how it goes like one two and then it's kind of done or is there more back and forth usually i i prefer personally just to um sort of do 50 50 you if Mm -hmm. i send you a sketch you go in and sort of finish it otherwise i find if stuff goes back and forth too many times it can start to become a bit I don't know. Sometimes it, it just starts to fall apart. Okay. Um, I, th- I think you can over tinker with things. Um, yeah, d- definitely. I think half and half is definitely the way to go if you can. For me personally, mm. anyway. Yeah, I guess also it it tends to drag out the process if you're like, okay, I'm gonna I have added these two chords. And I'll send it back to you and yeah. then he adds like one bass note and sends it back and then it takes forever. And then you kind of, it's like when you work too long on a track and it's just like you start hating the track and give up on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe it's a similar, yeah. And um, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, you end up with just gigabytes and gigabytes of audio on your hard drive as well, which is never good when you send about 14 different... Uh, yeah. incarnations of the same song <laughs> it can get a bit it can get a bit uh, intense yeah 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 so yeah another topic i want to discuss with you is still regarding collaborations um is i i feel like in 2020 you've put out a lot more uh collaborations uh than than previously um and i think i mentioned you in either my first episode i think it was my first episode with echo motion Um, because you you put out a collaborative EP with him uh, between the lines uh, this year. Um, I think I said in that episode that you were putting out almost exclusively collabs, which isn't entirely <laughs> true. I'm not sure why I said that <laughs> at that time. I'm sorry. Um, That's right. But but I I did have the feeling at the time uh, that you were putting out a lot of collaborations. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious what the the reasoning is for for you to. Do a lot, lot of collabs, or even fifty-fifty, and not more um, of your own stuff. Not, or there's, there's not really a kind of distinct reason behind it. I think when you sort of uh, end up working with labels and stuff, and the people that run in the labels are making music themselves, it's it kind of becomes like a natural thing for you to sort of start making music together because you sort of get to know them, and you just sort of one of you throws the idea out there, and it just sort of comes together really. So I guess it's more of a a networking thing like the, the more people you sort of work with that make music the more likely it is that you're gonna sort of work together especially with things like liquid i think collabs tend to work really well particularly with sort of liquid drum and bass mm. where that's where it's sort of more melodic driven i guess um rather than the sort of harder styles of drum and bass i think yeah. it sort of lends it lends itself quite nicely to working with other people yeah So it's not it's not especially a preference of yours mm, to no not to at do all. Collabs. No, I, I like working working with other people. It can be fun. It, it sort of makes it less lonely sometimes when you're yeah. working <laughs> working on your own and you've got someone else to to sort of check your mix and give you feedback on 
what needs to be done kind of thing. Whereas when you're working on your own, um, it's, it's a bit harder to know if you're in the right ballpark sometimes because you don't. You, mm. so, sometimes if you're as well, if you're sending tracks of people for, for feedback, they, um, I don't know, they, they might not want to say, yeah, this is shit. Like your snares, <laughs> your snare sounds like garbage. So, yeah. Do you have a few like trusted, uh, trusted people that you know they're going to say it's shit if it is? um not really I, i tend to keep my 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 tune my solo tunes pretty much to myself until i send out as a demo to be fair i'll normally okay. i'll normally just uh bounce it out listen to it in different sound systems listen to it on my way to work kind of thing and yeah just sort of trust your instincts i guess mm. and if if the demo gets accepted you know you've probably done okay <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah that's usually a good indication <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so how would you say um, working solo or working collaboratively? How would you say the that process is is different in terms of I don't know inspiration or, or whatever? And is there one that you really prefer, or is it complementary? Um, the process is kind of kind of the same in the way that I work, but it's it's nice to have someone else's little nugget to 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 build upon so if if someone sends you a really exciting sketch you just just can't wait to get on it and start start twisting it up mm. and making something whereas um making your own solo stuff you've got to sort of find the beginning idea that you're going to build upon that's the sort of that's the sort of tricky bit i guess getting that mm. initial sound started and then once you get to that point you can start building upon it and start adding other elements or whatever but it's always good to have a good starting point i guess a solid yeah. sort of sound to to build on so that's actually a great um, a great segue into the next topic i wanted to ask you and it's it's kind of how you how do you start a track how do you get inspiration um how do you how do you build on that i know some people some people swear by the one hour challenge which is like you do one hour of music every day and just start a new sketch every day and by the end of the week you select the best ones some people wait for inspiration and that might take two weeks and then they write a few tracks um how how does that process kind of look for you how do you how do you generally start a track i pretty much always start with like pads i think pads are a really great like starting point you get kind of like a, a an energy at the beginning and then I'll just make a, a sort of almost like a drone like chord if you if you like and that that runs in, I've normally got a pad that runs through the whole of my tracks if you listen to any of my tracks there's always like that one element that just almost runs the whole way through it mm. so I'll, I'll I'll get um work out if I'm making a track in the E flat minor I'll just make an E flat minor like triad or whatever run that through and then I I, I pretty much exclusively work with samples I've got absolutely tons of samples just everything's like labeled up um in, in what key it is and then just mm. and then just go through and just like try and find little sounds that i can just add little snippets of and drown in reverb and just little vocal bits and just start so just start building on top of the pad really and just mm -hmm. and then and then once you sort of get a vibe going there get i like to get the bass line in as early as possible okay so so that I can create, a, 
it's really important to, for me to try and get a funky baseline going straight away rather than yeah. building too much music and then having to work out what my baseline is going to be afterwards. Okay. Kind of. And then, um, yeah, then just build the drums and then just keep building and building and building until it sounds full and nice. Okay, that's actually quite interesting because I was, it's something I, I mentioned earlier, obviously, and your bass sound is very uh, distinctive. Um, I would say whenever the the bass hits, you know, it's it's one of your tracks. So it does make sense that you put so much importance on the bass and, and do it at a start. Um, I, I do hear a lot of people, they tend to put the bass at the end because yeah. they're not sure, depending on their hook or the chords, whatever, yeah. they're not sure what the exact bass line is going to fit. Uh-huh. But you tend to do the bass line always first. Yeah, or, or pretty much always first. I, that's how I just... When I first started, I'd do the bass line almost last because if when you're working on a sort of piano, a piano track, you, you want to build your chords and, and your melody and then the bass mm, kind of just yeah. works off of whatever your melody is, I guess. Whereas when you're making the deeper stuff, you 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 don't have to do that as much because, like I said, with the droning pad, that's perfectly in key for what tra- what um, what key you're, you're, you're trying to work towards. It's easier to yeah. then write a baseline just from that and then find samples that fit around your baseline. Yeah. So I don't usually geek out or go too much into detail in, in these chats on like sound design and, and specific uh, techniques when it comes to, to writing tracks. But it's something I do want to do a bit here because, as I mentioned, the sound you have is really something I strive for. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so I'm curious specifically your bass sound. Um, again, as you said, it's quite important for you. How do you go about um, layering your bass? Uh, how do you process it to make it really wide and fat? Um, can you walk me through that that process? It's kind. Of, I have the same bass I pretty much used in like eighty percent of all my tracks. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> like a, it's, I just created it one day because I use Reason. I just created it uh, one day in um, in Thor. The synth is called. And it just sounded really fat mm-hmm. and nice and deep. And then I, I was like, well, I'm sticking with that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's literally just like a, the, the simplest patch ever. And then just layered with a sub. That's pretty much all it is. There's not a lot of sound design, I'll be honest, going on in, in my bass okay. lines. So That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, so, it, just, it does so, sound quite fat, though, the, um, the, 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 the Reese kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it sounds fat while still sounding like clean. It's not a super distorted bass either. Yeah. Um, but it does sound very wide, and it really occupies all that that bottom bottom range of of the track. So it's mostly just a mid that that, that you have and that you reuse, and then a standard sub that you put underneath. Pretty much, yeah. There's there's nothing there's nothing like fancy going on under the hood, really. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, d- I'm disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but it, it, it's interesting. Sometimes we hear, uh, I know I, it's the case for me, I hear a track um, where something sounds really good and we automatically think, oh, I must be super complex. Yeah. He probably layered five different sounds and processed them for days and when actually it can be rather straightforward. Yeah, sometimes the, the best things are the simplest, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that, that re-space is just... It's just such a classic sound, isn't it, for liquid? And it just works so well. So yeah. it's, sometimes I'm like, am I really going to use that same bass, like, bass sound again? Like, <laughs> It'd be nice to like maybe try and 
you know, like make a new base and I, I, I sort of try and work out new ideas and things. And then I just go, nah, actually I'll put the old baseline back in. It sounds much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, it, um, it also helps in terms of consistency in, in your sound and yeah, your own, your own sound, I think. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your opinion on. Um, cause definitely when I listen to your tracks, um, they do sound very consistent and you can hear straight away. It's, it's one of your tracks. Um, so I'm wondering if you consciously besides the bass, if there's certain steps in terms of pads, in terms of drums, in terms of hooks, uh, where you take a similar approach in each track in an effort to keep consistent, or is it just a result of the way you work and they just end up sounding similar? I think they just end up sounding similar because they're, they're pretty much all made that my workflow doesn't vary too much in the way that I write stuff. So the process is pretty much always the same sort of thing. And I guess that means you end up with a sort of similar, similar sounding tracks, which is good in a way, but sometimes I, that could probably be a bit of a weakness as well. Cause it means that you're, all your tracks can end up morphing into the same song, but slightly different, I guess, which can be a bit rubbish. Mm -hmm. But as long as, as long as they sound different enough, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think it's definitely a workflow thing, um, uh, which is why they sort of are consistent in that respect. It's definitely the way that work. And I, I tend to use the same sort of reverbs on things. I, you know, when you get trusted, trusted, Uh, settings on things you just end up reaching for the same thing i guess that's mm. you, you, that that helps with making things consistent across across the board yeah um so, so it is in some way then a, a conscious choice of not venturing in let's say a more jungle sound or a more minimal sound is that something you you ever want to explore later on or do you think you're going to stick with what you're doing now i mean i I, I'm always making different like sounding kind of tracks and then I get an hour or so into it and I'm like, nah, this is shit. It's not working. It's not coming together. How I want it. I'd love, I'd love to be able to make more, you know, like darker techie sounds with crazy basses and stuff. But I just, every time I, I do, it just sounds like garbage. So <laughs> <laughs> it, ends up, it ends up in the bin, but yeah, I, I definitely love to, to try like different things, but at the moment, whenever I do, it just, It's never, it never gets to a point where I feel comfortable mm. with sending it out or releasing it. So, but I, I, I do try and make other things, but okay. no one gets to hear it. <laughs> uh, maybe you have to give them a chance. I don't know. It's always hard yeah, when you're maybe. trying in a new subgenre. It doesn't seem natural. Yeah. It seems maybe a bit forced, uh, but people might yeah. like it. You don't know. And people hate, people will hate you for not being true to your original sound and changing too much. Ah, you think really? <laughs> I don't know, will they? Like, nah. I don't know. It, it, it depends. Obviously, if you start making dubstep, then people are going to be like, uh, what are you doing? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But but, it, but if you move from liquid to slightly deeper to more jungle to maybe not all the way to jump up, but like in that spectrum, <laughs> I'm sure people will, will be fine with it. Yeah, yeah, true. I think the most the most different track I've I've made is the uh, track I did called Blunt Instrument, which was on my yeah. um, Frozen EP. Frozen, that was kind yeah. of... That that was the one time where I've made something that's probably a, a bit darker and more steppy than than the rest of my the rest of my tracks. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. That was that was that's actually one of my favorite um, favorite EP of yours. Um, and actually, because it sounds 
like you, but quite different at the same time. So as you said, yeah, that, it's, still, it's still got that same bass patch though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, you do have that bass patch and on some tracks you do have those like vocal pads that come in and out and where you hear, okay, this is Henry. Um, yeah, yeah. But then you do have like on blunt instrument, the especially the snare and just the drums in general feel a lot harder, uh, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, than other tracks. A little bit less, a little bit less rolling in this. In, yeah. With like the go with the ghost notes and stuff, yeah. I guess is a bit more. I really like those kind of drums. Like I, I'm always envious of guys like um, Talomic and, and Monroe mm. when they've got their just really nice hard hitting drums, but they're quite. They sound so simple yeah. uh, and almost stripped back, but when you try and recreate it, it's just like, how do they get them to sound so full, man? With, I feel like I have to add about 25 layers of breaks just to get like a nice rolling yeah. sort of drum groove going. Yeah. And it, they just make it, they just make it seem so effortless. Yeah. I feel it's something I often come back to is in liquid. It's all about finding, finding that sweet spot between not too many elements uh, to keep it simple, but at the same time, keeping it interesting enough that things are changing and that people will keep listening to the track without being bored. It's finding that that right balance. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things to to um, to sort of learn, isn't it? Because you end up when you first start, you end up with the sort of 64, 60, 64 bar loop of the same sort of same sort yeah. of elements, just nothing really happening. I think if you can if you can get it, get some variation in there, then that's always good. Mm. But I found um, I found chopping up a drop, a full drop into four different sections is quite a good way to, to try and um, mix it up. Yeah. So if you separate into, into four bar, four parts and then try and have a different element that will come in on each bit and then just try and keep it interesting and refreshing yeah. and adding sort of things like fills, bass fills and drum fills that at the end of yeah. phrases just massively helps to keep things interesting. Yeah. So um, I'm going to geek out again slightly here, but uh, on your track with uh, Lennis uh, for, for head bass, um, you got me. The drop there is actually six phrases and not like the typical four. It's quite a longer track. Um, yeah, yeah. And I abs- I'm actually a, like a huge fan of that track. I think it's like really amazing. Yeah, thanks, man. So um, yeah, I'm quite curious, like that drop first, it's so longer than your typical drop how did that come about and how did the other sounds influences on that track come about between the two of you yeah you'd have to ask him about that that was his idea (laughs) (laughs) i made the sketch sketch of that song oh cool yeah yeah he's he's out he's crazy that kid he's so good yeah um uh yeah i I made the sketch for that song and um it, it was kind of like a typical one of my tracks and then he just completely switched it up for the sort of second part where it just goes completely crazy and jungly yeah. and is proper sick. I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got skills that boy. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. And he's putting out a, a bit like you, he's putting out so much music, uh, at the moment. Um, but that track specifically, like the, the last two phrases of that drop, it kind of switches to entirely different drums. It feels yeah, yeah. like <laughs> it's totally like it goes in another direction, as you said, and it's like, well, yeah, it's uh, cool. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it really flipped it over. It, it, so yeah, it kind of has the best of both, I think, in that track. It kind of it's a deep sort of deep sort of roller, but then it goes kind of crazy and jungly and all over the place. It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. pleased with how how that one came out in the end. Yeah, no, it's a it's a sick release for sure. 
Um, so you mentioned uh, Tlamik and, and Monroe just there earlier, um, which are two big, big, big influences on, on me too. Um, so I'm quite interested, what are your influences in drum and bass, but maybe also outside of drum and bass and, and what brought you to producing drum and bass and liquid drum and bass specifically? Um, the, well, I first sort of got into drum and bass in sort of 2002, I think it was. I was, um, <laughs> we were coming back from the cinema in my brother's friend's car. We, uh, we went to see the Resident Evil, the first, the first ever Resident Evil film. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, it was, he was playing uh, an album called Aftershock by Aphrodite. Don't know if you heard it. Uh, no, I was a bit young at that point. But I, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I was about 15 at the time. I was like, what is this music? This is crazy. I love it. And that, that was like the first big influence was, was Aphrodite and that kind of wobbly. You, you must know who Aphrodite is though, right? Uh, no, I actually don't. I got into... You know, tra tracks like, like Badass, you know, the tune Badass? No, and, I'm um, going to need to cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. sorry, I haven't heard of yeah, it. Yeah, feel so. free, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that was the first sort of real in for me like to drum and bass and then it, it was it's always been and then my brother bought me uh it's a pc game like door thing called music 2000 okay <laughs> and it was like the most basic kind of door ever but i was just like making tunes on there okay. i just found it really fun but it wasn't until until sort of uh four years ago where i actually bought a proper door and mm -hmm. like got into actually making making pr proper proper tracks really and i'm i'm trailing off because i've forgotten what the question was now no sorry <laughs> sorry no no it's all good do, do you want it? um no, no i was just curious. confusing myself with my own story <laughs> no it's all good um no, i was kind of curious um maybe between that gap of uh between t 2002 when you heard drum and bass for the first time and then last four years when you started producing um what kind of let's say clicked in your mind in terms of okay i want to spend a lot of time actually doing music um how did that come about well i don't know it's crazy i, th I think i just panicked before having my second child i had to do something <laughs> <laughs> i was like I, I had like a creative itch i was like i'm not going to be going out doing anything for a while so why don't yeah. I just like look into this? It's always been something that I wanted to do. I was used to uh, when I used to buy records and stuff from uh, online, hard to find records. I used to always used to see Reason like mm. as this producer producing program in the back of the catalog, and I've always thought, mm, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love to, do that. but never actually bothered to actually to do it. And then I don't know. Just one day, I just started YouTubing the tutorials for Reason, and I was like, wow, this looks so good man i, d I just yeah. wanted to get involved as soon as i sort of started researching it properly i guess i guess with things like youtube you can it makes it a lot more accessible to work out how to do things and and uh, mm. look at things so that that's kind of how that came about really yeah yeah for sure i i know for myself i definitely started with a with youtube as well um i'm on uh, fl fl studio and there's so much resources on on youtube for for FL Studio, so uh, yeah, it's quite amazing for like young producers or any producer of any age, but starting today, 
the amount of resources you can have and what you can do just with your laptop from home. It's I still yeah. find it amazing. So I'd be I'd be at work like on my, having a cup of tea and I'd be watching like Kino masterclasses and <laughs> every, every little minute I had just just watching kind of like computer music magazine stuff and future music yeah. and just just trying to absorb everything that I could. There's so there is so much information out there. Um, so, so were you a, a musician beforehand already? Like, were did you play any instruments? Were you already DJing before producing? Uh, I used to play, I did like grade one piano when I was about seven or something. And then I also played the trom trombone when I was younger to about grade four. But apart from that, uh, no kind of musical, musical kind of experience whatsoever, really. And I, yeah, I used to, I used to DJ vinyl in my bedroom when I was sort of in my late teens, but never, never mm -hmm. sort of played out. And then when I left home, I couldn't buy vinyl anymore. So I stopped DJing completely, really. Um, I've got like a little controller thing at, uh, at home, but I don't get as much time to to DJ as I'd like really to practice anyway. Mm. If I do get sort of a spare few hours, I'm trying to make tunes rather than sort of be doing mixes or whatever. I find it much more fun to, to be making things rather than mixing, to be honest. I do like having a mix, yeah. but it's just, it is just finding the time with, with the family and work and, you know, trying to get the balance. I think I'd, I would rather just spend my time making making music. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a, a great point you're making because I know for myself and I don't have any, any children yet or um, not yet at least, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know it's a struggle for a lot of people managing either work or studies or family, whatever, uh, on top of, of music, uh, whether it be production or, or DJing. Um, and it can be quite a struggle to be efficient when you have that time to, to actually do music. So I'm quite curious, and from your point of view, as you mentioned, you have work, you have two kids. Um, how do you balance all of that and how do you make time for, for music? You just got to be, um, I'm just really motivated, I guess, to, to get in here and, and, and create. So when the kids go to bed, my partner, she's, um, she's a teacher. She's an English teacher, so she has an absolute ton of marking to do all the time. So it's quite easy for me just to sort of at least three or four times a week come in here for a couple of hours just when the kids have gone to bed and just and, and just work on tunes really. And I that's that that tends to be when I do most of my stuff between sort of the hours of seven and seven and nine. I and if I can get a bulk of two hour sessions in, I find that quite productive as well because you I think you can you can sit on the computer for too long and um, like if I've had a day off and there's been no one here and I try and sit here and really make the most of the time it i find that after the first two hours i just start to sort of lose focus and um yeah it just all starts to go a bit pear-shaped really so yeah it, it is just grabbing those two hours when i can in the week kind of thing okay it's, it's super interesting it's quite different from myself and other people i've spoken to who i know for myself i need to set five to six seven hours aside because i know the first hour and a half, maybe even two hours, nothing good is really going to come out. I'm going to be messing with different sounds, trying things, throwing things away. And then after, let's say, an hour and a half, something clicks, I find a good hook, and then I'm kind of in the zone and yeah. I can build on the track. But it seems quite different for you from what you've said. Yeah, uh, I find I find I do get into it quite quickly, but, but just, I suppose, 
the workflow that I've created because I know what I'm going to do um, before I've sort of done it. And sometimes I'll be thinking about an idea or I'll be humming a baseline in my head at work or whatever. <laughs> um, so I kind of, sometimes you, you sort of get a head start because you, you've been sort of planning what you're going to do before you, before you get in there anyway. Mm. Yeah. And so what kind of steps would you typically keep, typically put in place during a session to make sure it's the most efficient possible? Do you have specific, I don't know, templates or a way of doing things that just speed up your process? What does that kind of look like? Uh, I don't really have a template. I tend to just go in, I just go in blank every time, really. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, like I say, just start with those pads, find some pads that you like the sound of that sort of get your creative juices flowing and then, I just, I don't know, like a nice moody, melancholic pad just seems to get me going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me melancholy funk. Yeah. Sh and should be its own subgenre. Yeah, it should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you said it's, you usually tend to grab a couple of hours here and there when, when you do have time. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you generally react when, or how do you deal with when you have a session and nothing good comes out of it. Um, do you still find it quite frustrating, or how do you deal with those setbacks? Yeah, it I, it happened recently. Um, when, like I said earlier, um, sort of getting back into the routine of things. But I just, <laughs> I just keep going. Just, just keep trying to work through it, kind of thing, until until something happens. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just I don't know. You, you just got to try and work through like the tough bits, I guess, and try and find. Mm -hmm. Just try and find something that inspires you. Um, like I found just going through my old hard drive and looking at different samples or using different using different instruments that in the door that you don't normally reach for, and just 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 keep tinkering. Just try and uh, if if it's not working, just find a different approach. Just try and do something that you've not done before. Just yeah, mm -hmm. and if it doesn't work, just accept. Well, sometimes it's sometimes it just doesn't happen. Just mm. go and do something else. <laughs> go and watch TV or <laughs> <laughs> go for a walk, take the dog out. I don't know. But yeah, it just, it, it, it can be frustrating though. But I, it's happened so many times in the last sort of four years where it's not happening that I, I don't really worry about it now. You just, mm. you just got to keep, just, just keep go, just keep plugging away. If it's not happening, just keep, keep plugging away, make something different. Yeah. Try approaching it from a different angle just keep working yeah i think that's a that's a great piece of advice for sure um so you mentioned yeah when it's not working either yeah watch a bit of tv go for a walk then maybe come back to what do you usually tend to do f like to find inspiration do you listen to other drum and bass tracks to find inspiration do you listen to other genres completely where do you generally find inspiration for your tracks uh i, I used to find lots of inspiration from from yeah from going out <laughs> and okay. being in, being in front of a decent sound system like places like fabric and places like mm. that that just one night in there just is enough to give you inspiration for like three months <laughs> just just <laughs> just just hearing the the, the bass lines when they're how they should be played and just it's just it's just crazy it just inspires so many different ideas and you hear all these different crazy tracks and that's like hugely inspiring for me anyway But yeah, I, I do. I found that I tend to listen to less drum and bass than I used to since producing. 
in a way because it kind of it can become all consuming <laughs> do you mm. know if you're making yeah, drum and bass sure. all, all evening and then listening to it all day it kind of it gets a bit you can get a bit um not tired of it but you know it's become a bit of a busman's holiday i guess just listening to it and making it i i, I do listen to all sorts of different music but yeah a, a lot of the time when we're in the car with the kids we've got to listen to their songs which is a bit of a downer <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think my most be. my most played track on my Spotify last year was uh, "You're Welcome" by Dwayne Johnson from Moana. <laughs> oh wow! I, you know what? I, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen Moana yet. It's it's on my list because I know it's a it's actually a really good movie. Like objectively, even for adults, that's what I've heard at least. Yeah. So it's, it's still on my list, but uh, it is a good film to be fair. But once you've seen it about three thousand times, it kind of starts <laughs> to wear a little. I can imagine, yeah, especially if you're hearing the same song. <laughs> Yeah, but recently the, the, my kid, um, my boy, he wants to be a rock star. Okay, <laughs> he's four, that's cool. four years old and he wants to be a rock star. All he, all he wants to do is listen to "Rock Star" by Nickelback all the time. It's just like okay, that'll probably be the, that'll probably be this year's top played tune on my Spotify, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> my daily mix Have is you, really messed up. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I th- I think I saw this meme of. Uh, I don't know what it was like somebody listening to jazz in the morning and heavy metal in the afternoon. And then you, you had this picture of like the, U, the Spotify algorithm, like I have no idea what yeah. to do with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite a mixture on there. Yeah. So have you, uh, you just said your boy was, was four. Have you put them, your children to, to music yet? Or is that a, a plan or? They're, they both, they're both keen. They, they want, they do want to learn guitar. Both of them seem quite keen on learning guitar, but um, they're four and six, so they say lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I definitely would like to to get them into music if if they're interested. Um, I think yeah. I think they're at the right sort. Of, well, the six year old, she's probably at the right sort of age to to start yeah. picking something up. Um, yeah. But it's just yeah, you got you got to buy the guitar and you've got to then buy the lessons and stuff and yeah. It's all yeah, a bit, make sure. yeah, especially with everything with COVID and stuff. It's a, it's quite tricky at the moment yeah. as well. Make so, sure they practice all of that. Yeah, that's it. You've got to be on them. Yeah. <laughs> like my mum was always on me, like with the trombone and stuff. I, <laughs> oh man, it just used to really annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> do, uh, do, do you play any instruments? Uh, yeah. So I actually learned. Um, uh, I learned piano when I was a, a child. Uh, did it for. I think six or seven years, uh, like doing academy on the side. So like just theory lessons and then piano. Um, and then I started playing guitar when I was a teenager, because that's kind of what you do when you're a teenager. <laughs> Easier to carry around a yeah, guitar yeah. Uh, than a piano. So I started learning <laughs> guitar. Um, and that's about it. Then I played in a few few bands, mostly hard rock and a bit of metal. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of started producing electronic music but it's something i often mention to to friends who i often hear people saying oh i wish i learned piano i i wish i'd learned an instrument and i do remember times when i was a kid and i hated like piano lessons and having to practice every day and but now to be honest i'm so grateful that they kept me on it for for all those years yeah um because when i switched to guitar it was so much easier to just pick it up and learn by myself having knowledge behind me so yeah yeah that's cool so you can 
so do you still play the instruments now then uh so i do play guitar uh from time to time my uh wife um sings so we do play together and play a few bars around here mostly covers um i don't play the piano unfortunately because i'm in a tiny flat in hong kong and even just having a small synth is already a luxury. <laughs> um, but I, w- I would like yeah, to have yeah, a, yeah. a piano uh, later on. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 um, I tried to get back into the trombone. Uh, just well, it was probably a few months before I sort of bought Reason. I just, I just, I wanted to get back into music in some description. But it's, I can't believe like, I couldn't remember anything like about how to play it considering <laughs> I like grade four isn't too bad I mean that's 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 all right but I just could not remember yeah. anything about it it was crazy like it, it just and reading music music just looked like an alien language I was like what it's what does yeah. that even say and it was like Barbar Black Sheep and th- songs like that <laughs> <laughs> do, do you still have a do you still have a trombone lying around I've got it it's up in the loft so maybe I'll Maybe I'll sample it and make some hardcore foghorn like type tunes with it. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be the first, probably the first foghorn track with an actual like horn recorded <laughs> yeah. on it <laughs> and not sampled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I, I might, mean, I might, oh, that's I might just... hold it there for one of the kids if they want to play it when they're a bit older. You yeah, maybe do a trombone duet or something. Yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I do want to switch slightly from a from music um, and to another topic which I I love talking to people about and that's uh, social media. Um, You're somebody that's, I would qualify as relatively mysterious on social media. There's not too much info about you, either on Facebook or or Instagram. Um, And so I was quite interested in in your perspective. Is that kind of a, a conscious choice of like not sharing anything that's private? Or is it just like something you're not bothered to to do? Yeah, I just I'm just not that keen on like social media. To to be fair, um, I mean it's you've got to be on it for your music, but like I don't know, it just I just find I don't know. I'm just quite a shy person, I think. So like sharing things on social media is just not not really my my sort of thing. Um, mm. Yeah, and like I think you can overshare on social media as well. There's just like sometimes you see people that's on there every day and yeah it's also just just finding time to even go on it as well <laughs> and mm. and what, what am i gonna write it's like i don't know it, it's great for yeah. it's great for promoting your music but yeah i don't know do you think do you think it's do you think people would be interested in like any other stuff i don't know like uh it's it's always a tricky one because for from your own point of view, it's never going to be interesting to to share your personal life because we all feel like we have a boring life. Yeah. I I think at least so, but at the same time, I always I always remember something um, a human nature told me, um, and he said that uh, even if you're not a social media type, uh, it is quite important to share on social media uh, more on your personal side because then fans can connect with you and know who you are as a person and that's kind of uh yeah how they connect with you and and see you also as a person and not just a face that's putting out music um so i know that's probably quite a divisive topic um but i tend to connect to some extent of course with that aspect and i do think it's important to 
yeah, to share a bit of your behind the scenes, let's say, behind the scenes yeah. of your music. Um, I could show everyone how, how truly boring I am on my social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 definitely right, it's definitely a right balance to, a right balance to find for, for everyone. Because as you said, a lot, lot of people then tend to overshare um, and then you can fall into the trap of constantly checking how certain posts have done. Is it gaining traction? Yeah. Am I getting likes on this or not? And why is this one not doing well? All that kind of dark side yeah. of social media. Uh, it's also, I suppose it's like a conscious effort as well. For I don't want to be just on my phone all the, all the time in front of the kids and like, uh, yeah, mm. I'd rather be like looking at them rather than looking at my phone if I can. Because it is, it is really addictive, isn't it? Like things like social media. When you when you oh, do is, yeah. put a post up, you need to, to to be checking it every two seconds to see if anyone's commented or or what's going on. Like, yeah. Especially when you've got a new release or or what have you, like yeah. seeing if anyone's actually listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's actually your your approach uh, for your kids? Uh, they're obviously a bit young now to <laughs> each have their own iphone but uh like in the coming years what's kind of your uh let's say approach towards social media because there's a lot of talk about the effect of social media on teenagers yes yeah, it's, it's it's quite scary <laughs> that's yeah i'm trying not to think about it at the moment but it's something that i definitely need to to be thinking about more because especially when they're, when they're just that little bit older because i don't know i suppose mm-hmm. you just got to educate them on what it is and, and and how it works and how it can be addictive um and just set them up the best way you can. But ultimately, once they're old enough to sort of be on those things themselves, and it's kind of, I don't know, there's not much you can do when, they're, when they get a bit older. Mm. But I suppose it, the key is just educating them about like how, how it works and, yeah. and um, how addictive it can be, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. there's lots to worry about when you, when you have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's only a small part of what you worry about. <laughs> yeah, the future is just scary. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, on the bright side, there's a lot of like education content now, especially towards social media. I don't know if you saw The Social Dilemma. It's uh, It came out on Netflix uh, no, a I few months ago. It's Yeah, it's actually really good. It's a lot of ex, um, ex-executives of Twitter and Facebook and all those companies kind of sharing their insights into all the psychology that goes behind social media and what makes it so addictive and uh and divisive and uh, all those all those things so it's yeah it's quite eye-opening if you haven't really thought about the impact of of social media yeah yeah because it's in their interest isn't it to make it as addictive as they can for people to be on there and then get the advertising money i suppose yeah yeah exactly that's (laughs) that's the entire the entire business model is you're the product and how long can we keep you on this platform will yeah, yeah. dictate how much money we make. So it's in their interest to play on your psychology. The one one thing I heard once uh, was, it wasn't in that documentary, it was something else, but I heard that Instagram, the way they, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I think it is, um, the way they uh, send you notification in terms of likes uh, if, for example, a post uh, you put up gets 20 likes in the first five minutes and you open your phone, Instagram is not going to show you those 20 likes straight away. They're only going to show you, let's say, 10, 10 likes. And then you close your phone and then you open up it again 
and then they show you three more and then three more. And so you get that dopamine rush every time you check your phone and that creates... Sneaky uh, bastards. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Honestly, once you go into that rabbit hole, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I don't know where I, where I heard it. It might be bullshit, but I, I think they were like using techniques that, that sort of gambling companies use to, to sort of... Um, suck you in and um yeah give you that kind of reward yeah um you know like i don't know where i heard it might be talking complete rubbish but but yeah that, yeah it's, it could be it could be overwhelming can't it i suppose yeah. that yeah that's that that's why i tend to keep away from it if i yeah. can anyway uh, what, what would be your knowing all of this your advice for up-and-coming producers that are just getting into the scene do you have to use social media should you be on as many platforms as possible or How how would you advise somebody who's starting out? I'd say you, you, it's probably essential to be on at least two of them. I would have thought, mm. just you know, just just for the pure pure fact of just promoting your music. Because when you you create something, you want as many people to hear it as possible, right? So there, it's the strongest way of of being able to do that is through social media. So yeah, it it, it is it's part of the part of the parcel. But yeah, just try not to get too sucked in i guess but everyone's 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 different yeah. what, what do you think you is do you think it's sort of essential to be on social media for yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it I, is unfortunately it? Yeah. it kind of is uh i know some people will will probably have a another opinion on this but when you're just starting out if you're not uh using social media there's already so much music coming out these days every week Every day there's a new yeah. EP, a new single, something is coming out. Um, so at one point it becomes, it kind of becomes just, if you're putting music just out there and not doing anything, nothing's going to happen. I, that's just my opinion, but uh, mm. that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, it's, yeah. I suppose as well, like you can link your socials as well to your SoundCloud and it just, it, people can click it from there and it's just, it's just a, yeah, it is essential, I suppose, but mm. even if you don't want it to be. But what can you do? Yeah, I think definitely the most important aspect is being able to use it without becoming yeah addicted or becoming the product yourself and uh, being able to detach yourself from what you're posting and then checking constantly afterwards. I know that's my personal struggle, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the biggest aspect, I think. Very true. And I suppose because I'm lucky in that respect because I do have a family, I, it's easier mm. for me to be distracted by other things and yeah. the social media kind of thing which is why you probably only see me posting when I've got yeah. the track out or <laughs> and, uh, and once 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 I've got a release I actually but this is out now and then that's it you won't hear from me again for another two months yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually kind of yeah that's exactly how your Instagram feed looks like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I, think that, I think there's one picture of me with my with my daughter on there and then I was like yeah yeah that, that's <laughs> that's that's about it then that, that actually brings me to kind of what's coming next next for you um because i know at one stage in in 2020 as as i said you you've had a ton of releases uh, already and i felt at some point something was coming out and the day afterwards you were promoting the next ep and once that one was coming out you were promoting the next one and i was sitting here trying to finish my one and only track and kind of <laughs> <laughs> like feeling <laughs> sad for myself uh, in a oh, sense no. um no nah, i'm just messing Sorry, but uh, And that's all good. <laughs> But uh, I'm kind of curious because now you're not promoting anything and it's already been a full month since your last release. Oh, so yeah, I know. What, what's happening with Henry? 
yeah, I think that's just the backlog of um, of uh, lockdown coming now. Like the, my unproductive stage is sort of catching up with me. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's there's a few bits on the horizon, but yeah, there's probably going to be a bit a bit less coming out for mm. the next few months than there was before. But I think I've um, I think I've released enough this year already. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, actually, that, that I think that would be quite interesting to tell our our listeners, especially if they're again getting into the scene. Um, how does your release schedule usually look like um because when I, i know when i was starting out i felt like i needed to put tracks out all the time and then you slowly learn that that's not exactly the, the way it works so um from the time you write your tracks to the time you pitch them to labels to the time they actually come out what does that timeline generally look like for you um it can be a bit skew if really because um some labels are released off really quickly and others you're sort of waiting months and months for things to come out so it's kind of it's kind of out of your hands once you've sort of sent things off as a demo mm. it, it kind of it, it's it's sort of down to the labels when it when it sort of gets released so yeah sorry man my door my door yeah, yeah go ringing. ahead sorry no nope. it's just gonna be go two sex Sorry, man, some, I locked out my whole some family. Guests. <laughs> <laughs> some, some guests on the podcast here. Daddy, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Look how many of these we've got. Whoa, you've got loads. Yeah, and Nanny gave us some more, and we've also got <laughs> what, Where are the other ones? I'm just in the middle of a podcast. Is that where the rock star? <laughs> no, one? that's the other one. Where are the other ones? The pink, the one the pink bag. The pink bag. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, Dan. You can speak to mummy. Come on, Sorry, you can leave that in if you want. <laughs> no, it's all good. I might keep it in. <laughs> uh, you seem to have a lovely family, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're all right. Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. Sorry, so, yeah, no we're just chatting about uh, yeah, release schedules and the lag you sometimes have between writing a track and when it actually comes out. Um, for yourself, I know you, you tend to stick to three or four track EPs. Sometimes it's also singles, like your, I think it's your latest uh, single on default recordings was, was two tracks. Um, yeah. Is that something you, you decide in advance? I'm going to put out a single here and this is going to be an EP or is it up to the label? How does that generally work out? Um, it, it kind of depends on the, the tracks I'm working on um, and whether they fit together, I think. So it's normally just, um, yeah, they sort of, once I've written the first two, then the next the next two sort of come together sort of quite mm. quickly. So I ended up, so they, I have four tracks finished. It's not really a conscious thing that I want to release an EP. It's just, that's just how it, how it ends up happening. Mm. I have four tracks that I think work, quite well together so i end up sending them as a sort of a bundle really okay uh, so when it comes to singles is it because you've just had two tracks that work well together and you don't feel like it, it needs more is it sometimes maybe also a label just taking two tracks out of four does that happen also for you uh that's not happened actually before but um 
sometimes I'll just have two tracks finished and I think yeah because um I know Ian at default recordings he, he's he's um he asked me to 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 send some bits over for a new single so he he actually asked for two tracks mm. so that that's a, that's how that sort of came about really um, and I had I had those two tracks ready ready to rock and roll so yeah that it's yeah well, I don't, I, I don't know if it's better to release a single than than an EP anyway, because if if you have two singles over sort of two months, then you're more likely to get people to listen than maybe a four tracker. I don't know because you sort of release stuff, and then a week later it's it's gone and people have forgotten about it. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it be a bit for sure. Bit yeah, I know. Um, on the Think Breaks podcast, they, I think Jack talked about this. Um, he was saying that uh, when you put out an EP, just as you said, when you put out an EP, maybe one or two tracks out of the EP might get drowned in the noise and and forgotten. Whereas if you put out just a single, well, they'll get more attention because there's only one or two tracks. Um, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing to to think about for sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to throw a one one liner question question to you and just see how you react think about it um i was watching this uh youtube video the other day uh, um uh, actually a, a magician so nothing to do with music but uh he was a he's a youtuber he does like magic tricks and all, all that kind of stuff um and he actually said that uh he stopped doing magic for a while because it had become his his full-time full-time job from a hobby to a full-time job uh and he just became sick of it and just stopped because uh, it wasn't fun anymore um, so I'm just curious to get your opinion because a lot of people, I think at least want to do music full time if they could, um, that's kind of the, the dream goal of, uh, being a rock star, being a DJ, etc. Um, what's your take on that? If you could be a full time musician, would you be a full time musician? Uh, I don't think I would to be, to be honest. I think, I think I'd find it too stressful having to rely on, rely on the music, um, solely. I, uh, I just think it. I think yeah. it would take the fun out of it for me personally. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think e even people like LSB, like working and you know, like Galaxy, and it's like they they've got jobs. They've got jobs as well. It's like if they if they still have jobs, then <laughs> I, there's there's no way that I'm putting down my plastering tools just yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think I think it as. As it stands, it's working for me. Um, it's my hobby. It's fun. I love it, and I don't want to ever yeah. jeopardize that by, by um, sort of putting too much pressure on myself. I think if you, if you, um, if you feel like you have to create an EP that's going to be successful to to put mm. food on the table, then that's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a downer on your creativity. To be fair, yeah. especially with two young kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe my missus can just keep paying for everything. <laughs> that would be a sweet deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, a lot of the music, a lot of the money in in, our, in this sort of industry comes from live shows, anyway, doesn't yeah. it? So, and and uh, I don't think that'll be coming back too soon. Yeah, yeah. It's actually something I want to ask you as well because from your social media, it, does, it didn't seem like you were doing a lot of DJing, uh, even pre pre lockdown. Um, so were you, were you DJing a lot before and then kind of stopped with, with the kids or did you never really DJ that much? Uh, 
I never I never really DJed that much. I, I had decks in my room when I was li- still living at home with my parents. And then when I moved out in, in, into flats and things, they were just in the loft and I just stopped buying records. And mm. yeah, I never bought a sort of um, DJ controller for a few years. But then, yeah, I've always enjoyed creating music more more so than sort of DJing and mixing. I think it if it came to it, I'd rather be in the crowd enjoying the music <laughs> than up, up there like okay. playing it out. It, that sounds really stressful to me. Okay. Like, I think the, 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 the idea of messing up in front of a crowd of people just is not my idea of fun to us. <laughs> yeah, it's bound to happen. I, I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do a, a best man speech a couple of years ago and I was absolutely cacking myself for about three months leading up to it. it was oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, I think you'll definitely just find me in the crowd rather than like behind the decks. Okay. I, I think it's I, great... I, I will. I, I actually do have a mix coming up <laughs> um, sometime for um, D&B Dojo. Yeah. But I have to record it first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, different. because compiling you... some tracks now. Yeah, that's different because you can just do it in the safety of your studio and try another mix exactly. if it doesn't go well. Or... <laughs> yeah, take take two hundred and forty seven. Yeah, but I think it's a great it, thing. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, it's just it's just such a different skill as well. I think just I I really like I, I admire people that can like mix really well. It's just like crazy. Yeah. I think it just it's seems a, like a whole different thing in itself. Yeah, I think it's a great, um, a great note to to slowly wrap it, uh, wrap it on to be able to know yourself uh, and not feel the the pressure of uh, having to DJ or having to produce or whatever. Because I know a lot of people can can fall in that trap of seeing what other people are doing and thinking, okay, I need to DJ a lot as well to get my name out there. And maybe as as it is for you, it's maybe not in your nature it's not something you really aspire to do when you think about it so uh, yeah i think that's a great great piece of wisdom because i think um mike kiss he doesn't uh he doesn't dj oh he doesn't i i don't know no uh mike kiss he, he's signed to hospital so he's he's doing all right so i don't think you necessarily have to have to dj to um to sort of um, make a name for yourself i guess so if it's not yeah, for you it's not for you kind of thing i suppose yeah yeah, for sure. Just like social media, just like everything, kind of find what what works for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Henry, this has been a Harry. Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. This has been a. Actually, uh, I was I was thinking. Okay, I'm not going to ask this, but I do want to ask. Where does Henry come from? Well, Henry is actually my name, but I've never been called it. Like I'm I'm christened as Henry, but uh, oh really? It's, it's it's on my birth certificate. It's on my driver's <laughs> license and stuff. That just so, no one's ever called me it. Not even my parents. I don't know. So but, like, and everybody's just call you Harry all the time. Yeah, that's it. It's like a a nickname, I guess. For, that's that's crazy. It's a bit. They're like it's sh- They're like Harry short for Henry. I'm like it's not even shorter. It's it's just a different. <laughs> doesn't name. make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah it's, yeah, it's a weird one. But I thought I thought it made quite a good name for yeah. to produce with because it is actually my real name. So I thought. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm not sure a lot of people know this, so it's a great little nugget in the episode. <laughs> yeah, man. But I, yeah, I always get the piss taken out of me because of the Henry Hoover brand. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not from the UK. I don't know that one. <laughs> well, there's basically the, this this uh, red Hoover okay. with like eyes and a mouth and a smiley face, okay. <laughs> and 
just google it after and you can see how stupid it looks okay. and i'm like yeah maybe maybe this wasn't the best name but yeah it's, i'm stuck i'm stuck with it now what can i yeah, do yeah for sure <laughs> well harry or henry whichever it was a, a great pleasure to have you on thanks again for for coming on i really oh, thank- really enjoyed this chat um so oh, it's a pleasure man thanks for having me on yeah so maybe in a quick uh Wrap this up. What's upcoming for for Henry in the the next few months uh, in terms of releases, uh, and where can people reach out to you and, and find you? Uh, release wise, there's in December. There's going to be two tracks on Skank and Bass introducing, and sometime next year uh, there will be a two track single on the Delta Nine sub label, um, but nothing's confirmed yet. Date wise. But that's about it for the minute. And you can just you can find me on Facebook uh, and Instagram at Henry DMB. And yeah, that, that's about the only two places you can find me. All right. <laughs> well, listen, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Really enjoyed this chat. Um, so all the best to you. Good luck with the, the family and the evolving situation there. Um, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers.